success in some people's eyes means you're married plus you have all your kids before you're 40. Well, that just, some people don't hit that, you know, and that doesn't make them any less of a successful woman, but instead say, you know what, faithfulness means I'm going to serve God, whether I'm alone or I have children, no matter what, I'm going to be faithful. And so it's a mind shift and it helps us view our lives as a success when we are being faithful to what God has asked us to do. This is Charisma Connection on the Charisma Podcast Network. I'm Chris Johnson. And today, I've been reading an excellent book. It's called You Be You, and it's by Jamie Ivey. Jamie is my guest today. She is the creator and host of the podcast, The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey. It's a gathering place for talking about life and Jesus. She's written two books, the one I just mentioned, You Be You, and If You Only Knew. Jamie is a wife and mother. Her husband, Aaron, is a worship pastor, and they and their family, comprised of four teenagers, live in Austin, Texas. So, Jamie Ivey, welcome to Charisma Connection. Thanks, Chris. I'm glad to be here with you guys. How does someone who's a mother of four teenagers and does all that have time to be on this show? (laughs) Well, all those four teenagers are at school, so that's Uh why I have time to be on this show. I guess it's a little different than when they're young. <laughs> it's so different than when they're young, which I'm always talking to women about because you feel like you're never going to have time. And then eventually, if you go the, the route we went with schooling, you eventually have time. <laughs> there you go. Well, Jamie, I've really enjoyed reading your book, and you describe yourself as a cheerleader to women. So how do you cheer women on and to what end? You know, that's I love describing myself that way, because that's what I've always wanted to do. I started doing that with my podcast and and now through other avenues as well. But I think that it's important for us to look around and realize that um, the people that we see doing great things, they're not our competition. But, you know, if we're all here trying to do the, the work of God and what he has put in each of us, then all of it matters to everyone. And so for me, I look at my my friends and, you know, my fellow friends who are authors or podcasters or even just women listening to my show. And I want to cheer them on so that they know that they, that they matter here, that they have a, they have a passion, they have talents, they have gifts and that God wants to use them. People have done that for me and I know what it feels like. And I sometimes see a lot more um, maybe competition than cheering. And I want women to know that we don't have to be in competition with each other but we can really be for each other as we each do our part in expanding the kingdom. And so it's way more fun to cheer than than to be, you know, than to be jealous of somebody. So I've just found it makes me feel better too. And this holds true on social media? It should hold true on social media. I'll tell you that much, Chris. Um, (laughs) I don't think I, I I don't think that um, it has to be not true. I think that we can make intentional moves with our online presence, which our online presence is not going anywhere. So, you know, I could turn into like an old grandma and be like, you know what, I hate the internet. And it's just the downfall of our society. And maybe some of those things are true, but it's not going anywhere. So I think we have to figure out a way that we can actually use the internet for, uh, for a beneficial reason. And one of those things for me that I get to do is to use it to be for people. And there's lots of ways that you can do that. But yes, I think that our online presence should not look any different than our real life. <laughs> Very good. Now, in the first chapter of UBU, you look ahead to the end of life. 
and you write that you're 40 and loving it. So why did you start at the end of life? You know, what's funny is when I, when I turned in my very first manuscript of this book, uh, the very first sentence, which when I read it to my husband, he said, just so you know, they'll never keep that at the first sentence. And he was right. They did not leave it as the first sentence. But I wrote this book, and the very first sentence I wrote down was, death is coming for us all. And my that's husband pretty, was like, uh, Jamie, that's so uh, morbid. <laughs> and so that sentence is still in the first chapter, but my editors are way smarter than me. And they said, let's not start the book that way. But for me, I've really had in the past couple of years, I had a good friend pass away a couple of years ago at a young age, uh, mother to four small kids. And it kind of was this wake up call that we don't know when our last day is here, you know, and, and I know we can say that, but then when the reality is in front of you and, and you're and you're watching a dad and his four daughters realize that they never knew it was this soon, it almost, it makes you think, if tomorrow is my last day, have I done everything that I, that I want to do and need to do? And I don't mean that like, have I traveled the world? Yes, I want to do that, obviously. But to me, it's more like, man, what does my character look like today if this was my last day? And so I wanted women to think, you know, life is, in, in some moments, it can feel like it's going on forever. You know, like it's dragging on. It feels like the last year was so long for so many people. But yet, honestly, if we, if we step back a little bit, it's fleeting. It's so fast. And so I know from myself, I want to think about where I want to be when I'm 80 and then look back and say, okay, I'm 42. You know, if I have 38 more years, how do I want them to look? And to me, that's challenging. Uh, it's sobering and it's encouraging. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that there is an ultimate calling that all of us have. In fact, you spend a, a fair amount of time talking about our personal callings versus our ultimate calling. So tell us about what the ultimate calling is. Well, I've, I've had many times in my life where there have been changes in what I was doing, whether that be a career or adding more children to the family or being going from working to stay-at-home mom or from stay-at-home mom to a working mom. And so there's been many times that life has just looked different. And there was a particular season in our family's life a couple of years ago where it was the potentially going to look very different, a move uh, we were praying about. And when all of that changed and didn't happen, I kind of had a, a crisis of, man, God, did I hear your voice? Have I missed my calling? What does this look like? And I had to really evaluate and what I came down to for me. And I, and I believe for, for all people who are followers of Jesus, I believe that we have this ultimate calling on our life, and that is to make him known and bring him glory. We see that throughout the scriptures. We see Jesus' last words were to his disciples and to us as, as Christians now or, or to go, therefore, into the world and make disciples. That's what he's asking us to do. And so I had a moment where I realized that all of those turns and twists and things going the way I wanted them to go, things going different than I wanted them to go. One thing I realized is that my ultimate calling never changed. Whether I am a, a podcast host and a, a talk show host and a book writer, or I am a stay-at-home mom and teaching fifth grade uh, Bible at a private school and coaching basketball, those are all different things I've done in my life, but my ultimate calling never changed and that should be what guides us in everything we do. And so all of us are going to have these, these little callings in our life that are going to switch and change. And you're going to have different um, desires come up. You're going to have different opportunities where there's needs in front of you. But the good news is 
following Jesus, it never changes with what our ultimate calling should look like. This is really foundational to faith and life, and I love how you put it, to make him known and bring him glory. That's so succinct. So as we look at our personal callings, you know, a lot of us get thrown off just by the word calling in the first place uh, as Christians. So how can you best describe what a personal calling is? Uh, You know, uh, my friend, uh, Rebecca Lyons, who is an author and a friend of mine, and she said it best where she says that your calling is where your talents and your burdens collide. And I've seen that in my life. When I look at these smaller callings on my life, most of them have come from what talent do I currently have and what is the need that I see? I have another friend that used to always say the need is the call. So you you see a need? Well, there's a calling for somebody. And so as I've looked through, like I mentioned, all the different things I've done, I could see there was a a burden there and I had a talent um, that could fill that need. There were a couple of years that I spent volunteering in our our county uh, jail here in Travis County, where I live in Austin, Texas. And I would show up every Tuesday and we would minister to these girls. And for me, it was a burden that was put on my life by something that I heard. There was a need that was there and I could use my gift of my talent, my gift that God's given me of teaching. And so in that season of my life, I felt really called to minister to those women at the jail. And basically, it's like my friend Rebecca says, there was a there was a need. There was a burden. I had a talent. They came together. And for three years, every Tuesday, I showed up and did that. And so I think sometimes we try to make it bigger than it is, you know, and in different life seasons, it can feel like well, what, what kind of need is there? I'm a stay-at-home mom to four kids. Like, they need me all day. And you know what? Maybe that is, you know, or maybe you develop a small little play group that meets at the playground, um, you know, and it's moms in your neighborhood. That is a calling on your life where you get to minister to women. And so I just encourage people to kind of step out of the box and look, where are the needs in my community, in my church, in my home, in my kids' school, uh, maybe even in the nation, wherever that might be. I think God is going to make that clear to you and ask him to. But it doesn't have to be as complex as we think it is, and they can often change. I don't currently volunteer in the jail anymore. I mean, for one thing, it's closed down because of COVID. The jail's not, but the program is. Um, but that was just the season that ended, and then I moved on to other things. And so I think we make it too complex, and we need just need to use my friend Rebecca's words. What's our talent? Where's the burden? They collide. There's your calling. That's a great way of looking at it. And seasons do end. I mean, that's why they're mm-hmm. seasons, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, that's we exactly have exactly right. Sometimes we hang on to something too long, I think. Right. And I think it can be scary too when a season ends because you might think like, I don't know what's next. And that's where you just kind of have to not to sound too churchy. You just kind of have to let God move that ship and, and take you where it's going to go and trust him. Well, everyone has a voice and sometimes women don't feel like they do have a voice. And I think that's one of the lessons that you learned. Could you tell us about your foray into country music radio and how that played into learning that lesson? Yes. Yeah, so a couple of years ago, probably, I mean, well, I can tell you it was 2011. So, you know, almost 10 years ago, which is crazy. I was driving in my, in my city, Austin, and I heard my favorite country radio station did an advertisement. They were having an open casting call for the next um, morning show host. They already had a team in place and this person would just join that team. And, you know, Chris, it's 
so funny when I look back because everyone assumes, oh, you, you majored in TV and radio or you had done this before. The answer is no to all every question you might have. The answer is no. I had never spoken into a microphone. I had never been on air. I had never done anything, but I just thought this sounds really fun. And so I tried out and long story short, I ended up winning that contest. And so I went from I was a teacher previous to having kids, a teacher and a coach, but I had been a stay-at-home mom for many years, which is a great privilege, I understand. And now I'm working, you know, on a morning show uh, here in Austin, and it was just the best thing. I love that so much. I thought, I have found my calling. You know, speaking of calling, I thought, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And, you know, circumstances changed. And um, with some of our kids, I really found that I needed to be back home. It was not time for me to go back to work. And so after four months, I made the best, hardest decision uh, to quit and came home, but I had to do a lot of um, soul searching because I was angry at God for a little bit because I thought, you led me here, and one of the things that I always said is that when I was on that show, I felt like I had a voice, and that's what I kept saying. I couldn't put my finger on it except I felt like I had a voice, and then it was gone, and what I learned through that lesson, the biggest lesson, and it has just propelled me over the last 10 years, even in like how I'm cheering on women is I learned that that getting that job to work on that radio station, God didn't hand me a voice the day I started working. I've had a voice in me, and I don't mean a physical voice like I'm using now, but I mean something to say, thoughts, ideas, um, ways that God can use my life, a voice. And I thought that I got it my first day on the job, and I thought I lost it my last day on the job. But God was so kind and so faithful to really, really show me that I've been using that voice my entire life. I was using that voice when I taught fifth grade Sunday school. I was using that voice uh, when I when I volunteered at different places in town. I was using that voice with my four children every day. I was using that voice when I was a coach to middle school girls right out of college. And so I want women to know, uh, women in particular, that that they have something inside them that God has given them. They have a voice to use for good for those in front of them. And a lot of, you know, problems with the internet and social media is people can assume that the people who have the voices are the ones with the biggest following. And the truth is that your voice matters right where you are to the people that are right in front of you. And so whether that is, you know, the the coworkers that you work with, uh, whether that is, you know, the the elderly couple that you take care of on the weekends, or whether that is your children, or whether that is your 800 people that follow you on Facebook, whoever it might be, God's giving you things to say, and he's giving you people to say it to. So stop trying to get more people and just be faithful to the ones he's given you. That's what God was kind to teach me, uh, you know, over these last 10 years, even as I've stepped into my new career that I have now. And a lot of what you're speaking to there relates to success. I noticed that the subtitle of your book is Why Satisfaction and Success Are Closer Than You Think. So what's the difference between those two, satisfaction and success? Well, satisfaction, you know, is I think a lot of people are dissatisfied with the life that they have because they're looking around wishing they had somebody else's life. You know, it's that comparison, it's that envy, it's, I don't have what she has and I don't, God skipped out on things of giving me and instead of giving them to her. But I found that so many times when I'm looking around at what other people are doing, I'm not seeing what God has called me to do. I'm not seeing how, how God is asking me to do. And I'm not being myself, you know, I'm not moving towards my calling in the best way 
that it should be because I'm simply looking at other people's life. I was listening to a podcast one time. Her show's called Journey Women. It's a great podcast, but her guest said, you can't obey God in someone else's life. And I remember thinking so many women are dissatisfied with the life they have because they're looking at someone else's life, trying to obey God in their life instead of their own life. And I think that that is something that we have to fight um, as believers, maybe for the rest of our life is, is living that way. And, you know, I, I mentioned earlier about cheerleading, and that has been one of the greatest ways for me to combat uh, comparison is to really be for somebody, like not desiring to be them, but actually cheering for them, like for real cheering for them, not just pretend cheering for them um, is what I found with satisfaction. You know, and then success, success can be a scary word for Christian women in particular, because it feels like oh, if I'm successful, is it all about me? And, and I just think everyone's looking for success. I mean, I, 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 I want to look back on my life and think I was a success, whether that be as a wife or a mom or as a podcaster or a teacher, whatever it means. But I think success, success can get muddy sometimes because we, we, well, this is what I think, Chris, I think the, I think what, what is successful is constantly changing. And so if one day I'm trying to be successful in my career and I hit it, what happens? There's always another level to hit, you know, or it's constantly changing or, or it's like all of a sudden what was successful 10 years ago is not successful now. And so that feels like a rat race that I can never keep up with. And I'm feeling defeated all the time. So I started thinking, I was wondering, man, what if instead of me striving for success, what if I strive for faithfulness? And I found that when I was striving for faithfulness, which was an individual goal between me and God and whatever it was, that when I was faithful to him, I felt successful in what I was doing. So instead of thinking, you know what, I'm going to be a successful mom, which that means to be a successful mom means, man, when my kids all grow up, they better love Jesus with all their heart or else I was a failure. But what if I switched it and I said, you know what, I'm going to be a faithful mom. I'm going to parent my kids with my best abilities. I'm going to point them to Jesus and the cross and his sacrifice and his redemption with everything I have in me. And then God is up to do the rest, but I'm going to be faithful. That makes me a successful mom, you know, if, or, or if success in some people's eyes means you're married, plus you have all your kids before you're 40. Well, that just, some people don't hit that, you know, and that doesn't make them any less of a successful woman, but instead say, you know what, faithfulness means I'm going to serve God. Whether I'm alone or I have children, no matter what, I'm going to be faithful. And so it's a mind shift, and it helps us view our lives as a success when we are being faithful to what God has asked us to do. Well, there's a certain way in which we can rest in Christ and find ourselves faithful. I know in one of your chapters you talk about contentment, and that reminded me of a book that someone gave me years ago, Abide in Christ by Andrew Murray. A great little it's book, so good. a yes. classic, and it, it really held a life lesson that we should abide in the vine who is Christ, and that's all from John 15. So you point to the fruit of contentment that comes from that abiding. Could you share more about that, please? Yeah, you know that John 15 is so important because I always thought that the the command from Jesus was to uh, bear fruit. You know, you read it and man, I don't have it right in front of me, but you read it and it's like, you know, um, abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. And I used to think, uh, okay, what God's asking us to do is to bear fruit. So I'm going to be good. I'm going to do everything I can do. I'm going to try to be the best Christian, the best mom, the best wife, all of the things, and I'm going to bear fruit. But then I started to realize and read it is that 
the, the command to us is not actually to bear fruit. The command is to abide. And so what Jesus is saying is all that fruit you want to bear, if we look at Galatians where we see the fruits of the Spirit, you know, faithfulness, kindness, goodness, patience, all of the fruits of the Spirit, which we all want and desire in our lives, those only come from abiding. And so now that the command to us as followers is to abide. And what I started to realize is it was impossible for me to produce any of those fruits on my own. Like I could not be content, I could, which a lot of those fruits will, will come from. I couldn't find that unless I was abiding in Jesus. And so it's like this elementary, you know, Bible 101, meet mm-hmm. with God. You know, like, like <laughs> we should meet with God um, and to abide in him. But, you know, the word abide, it also means to, to dwell, to be with. And so when I think about that, I think, man, Jesus, the only way that I'm going to produce any fruit is if I'm being with you, is if I'm spending time with you. And so to me, I think that contentment that comes from abiding in Jesus, it comes from spending time with him. It comes from all of these things, uh, from abiding with Christ. And so that helps me when I'm struggling with discontentment in my life. I usually can go, man, are you abiding with Jesus? Are you trying to produce this fruit all on your own? Or are you relying on, on the vine and the branch to produce that fruit in you? It's powerful. So overall, as you look at your two books, as you look at your life experiences so far, I mean, you're only in your 40s. Um, you have a long <laughs> way to go, right? And I hope so. <laughs> As, as you've written and reflected through all this time, what have you learned about living the abundant life? I have learned that living the abundant life, I, I would like to say that it's easy and it comes naturally. But here's what I've actually learned is that it takes intention. Um, you know, I think living the abundant life we think is going to just come to us when all is good. But I found that I can live the abundant life even in hard situations because of my intention uh, to, to see God in all things. And I have found that living the abundant life is not having more, uh, more things, um, but it is actually looking around and trusting and believing that God has me where he has me right where I am. Um, you know, I, I talk about my friend that passed away. Her name was Winter. And when, when Winter passed away, uh, her her funeral was one of the best funerals that I ever that I ever went to, which feels weird to say. But everyone that says something about her, they all kind of said the same thing, and it all was kind of like she used her days well, you know. And I left there just feeling like, man, if Winter had, I think she was around 36 or 37 when she passed away, but she used every single one of her days well. That's what I want. I want that abundant life that comes only through Jesus, which is what God's word says. It comes only through Jesus. Um, And I want to find that and desire that and be intentional to look for that every day so that if I have 80 years or if I have, you know, 47 years, I want it to be said to me that I use my days well. And I think that is finding the abundant life through Jesus in everyday circumstances. Love that. And I think people will know who winter is. Could you share a little Mm -hmm. more? Yeah, my friend Winter Pitts, we met um, probably maybe six or seven years before she passed away. We traveled to Uganda together on a trip, and I just 
fell in love with her. She was the first person I met on the trip. So Winter founded an organization called For Girls Like You. And the best thing about it is that it's still living on. And her husband, Jonathan, is running and taking it. But she really had a passion to minister to young girls, tween girls. That's the ages that her girls were that she was parenting. And she was just vibrant and lovely and chased Jesus and was full of that abundant life that we just talk about. And she passed away suddenly about three years ago. And so her life and her death have had a, a, a gigantic impact on my life personally. And I know hundreds and thousands of other people's lives as well. Mm-hmm. Well, Jamie, Ivy, we so appreciate your take on what it means to live the abundant life. I wonder if you would close us out in prayer. I'd love to. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Father, I just am grateful. I'm grateful for these conversations. Um, I'm grateful that you're moving in someone's heart right now who is feeling maybe alone and and discontent with their life. Maybe they're looking around and and wishing that, you know, they had someone else's life. God, here's my prayer. My prayer is that they will run to you, that they will run to you because you are there waiting for them. You tell us that you are always there for us. You are always waiting for us. God, I pray that we would be a people who look at our ultimate calling and say, what do I need to do today uh, to live out the calling of making you know God and making disciples? God, thank you for equipping us to do that. You promise you will. You send us your Holy Spirit for that. That's right. Thank you for that. God, I pray for the people listening um, that they would reach out uh, to a friend, to a trusted pastor, uh, to someone if they um, need help or need prayer. And God, I know that that you know who they are right now. And God, would you just make it abundantly clear to them that you love them and that you want to be in a relationship with them. Father, thank you for this show as an encouragement it is to so many people. Um, And thank you for um, the friends that you've put in my life who have taught me what it means to cheer each other on. And may we be people who cheer more than we wish to have someone else's life. So we love you. We thank you for Jesus. We pray all this in his name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jamie. And how can people reach out to you or learn more about you and all the resources that you bring to them? Yeah, thank you, Chris. The easiest way is my webpage. You can find everything there. It's jamieivy.com, and that's I-V-E-Y. My podcast is The Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy, which is a fun place to hang out. And then my favorite social media place is Instagram, and I'm at Jamie Ivy there. Okay. And Jamie is J-A-M-I-E. I-V-E-Y.com, so she's not too hard to find. Just remember the book's name is UBU, and you'll be able to find her and find the book. So there's a lot more to this book than what we've talked about here today, Jamie, and I hope everyone will go and pick it up. So thank you once again for being with us. Thank you. I'm Chris Johnson. You've been listening to Charisma Connection. And be sure to go to cpnshows.com where you can find plenty more podcasts for your spiritual growth. That's cpnshows.com. And check out Strang Report and Green Lines for some exceptional interviews. cpnshows.com. This has been a production of the Charisma Podcast Network. Steve and Joyce Strang are the founders and owners of CPN. Dr. Steve Green is the executive producer of the Charisma Podcast Network. We intend to honor God with every podcast and remain thankful to our advertisers and supporters who make these podcasts possible. 